When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun, and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists, and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy, and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome. And we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it and I'll see you on the other side. Hi, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Open House podcast. This one is extra special today because today's episode is our second episode delivered to you in partnership with Sol de Janeiro, the famous beauty brand that encapsulates everything that we stand for here at Open House. Celebration, confidence, and acceptance, no matter how your body looks or feels. Whether you're a Sol de Janeiro Brazilian Boom Boom Cream fan or you've seen the bright, bold, confident packaging on the shelves and you've been meaning to try it, this month, Open House is working with Sol de Janeiro. We're here to launch their new product, the Delicia Drench Body Butter, a deeply nourishing formula that helps you to love all of your layers. And loving all of your layers is exactly where we excel at the Open House podcast, because we believe that you are actually a culmination of all of your layers. And these layers have been built up over years and years, for as long as we can remember making us the person that we are today. But the great news is, is that with self-reflection, self-awareness and self-discovery, we can start to lovingly unpick all of these layers to work out who you really are underneath them. Sol de Janeiro stands for everything that is celebration for you in your most real, true form. When we started brainstorming for this episode, we knew that we wanted to get into something that holds so many people back from celebrating themselves as they truly deserve to. Today for this incredible episode in partnership with Sol de Janeiro, I'm joined by psychotherapist Stephanie Therapy, and we're going to be getting into the concept of people-pleasing, something we've never actually digged into on the podcast before. So if you often find yourself saying yes to things, even when it inconveniences you, or maybe you struggle to express the real you or your true opinions or preferences, fearing that it might upset someone else around you, this episode is for you. And if the idea of saying no that doesn't work for me, fills you with dread, then this episode is really for you. Today, we're going to help you understand how to really focus on yourself rather than focusing on everyone around you. And we are ultimately here to help you on the journey to celebrating you. What I've learned through therapy and my own personal therapy journey is that when we people please, we're not actually celebrating ourselves at all. We're in fact focusing on everyone else around us and sometimes neglecting our own needs and desires. And in doing so, we inadvertently compromise our own authenticity, our own truth and our own well-being. Since working with Sol de Janeiro, I've stopped to actually ask myself, am I celebrating myself today and other people around me celebrating me as well? So at Open House, we want you to take up that space and Sol de Janeiro want you to as well. We want you to be able to confidently say, that doesn't work for me or that actually doesn't feel good for me. And what I guarantee you is one thing. 
the more you start to work with this layer of people pleasing that's been walking around with you your whole life and you start to take confidence in quietly, gently and softly using your voice. That will start to trickle out into every part of your life around you. It will help you to be able to stand there and to face the world every single day and start to say, I like myself, I'm doing well and I'm actually proud of myself. And those little moments of celebration are exactly what we are here to help you with. Now, let's get into the episode. I am so excited to share this episode with you and to take you on this journey. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? I'm so happy to have you here. I love being here with you, Louise, honestly. And this brand, everything that you've just said is so true. Like, how beautiful is it to have a brand that is so fun, so colourful, and like you said, celebrating ourselves. We need it. So... Yeah, thank you for the intro. Oh, my pleasure. And I'm so happy to have you here to support on this campaign about helping people to start to learn to love all of their layers. And this was such a profound moment for me when I realized we actually are walking around with these protective layers that until we maybe start on this therapy journey or start listening to podcasts, we sometimes don't even realize exists. And today we're getting into people pleasing. I'm so excited to share this. I feel like we talk about it all the time, but we've never actually got into it. And I know that for me, silence, being silenced, whether that's in my family unit, whether it's in my friendship unit, in my dating world, it's been a big part of my journey. And today I'm learning to use my voice loudly. And sometimes I still am learning how to do that. But today we're going to help people on that journey. And I think where we should start is as a psychotherapist, you are the expert. What actually is this thing that people talk about? People pleasing. As you said, Louise, people pleasing is something that we speak about all the time. I'm a people pleaser. I'm a people pleaser. And I like to make people happy. What we have to remember is that it's not this toxic thing. It's not this awful thing. I'm such a bad person because I'm a people pleaser or people are taking advantage of me. Oftentimes people are going to monopolize on the fact that you have no boundaries and it can get quite toxic. But what we have to remember is People pleasing started in childhood because it was a way to survive and connect. The reason it doesn't work so well in adulthood is because we lose connection with ourselves. And so our self-esteem is directly impacted by that people pleasing. So being unable to say no to people, self-abandonment, it's not being able to choose yourself. I think what you said there about this piece around self-abandonment was such a profound part of my therapy journey because I think people listening to this, they might not maybe necessarily relate to, like you said, this being toxic or this being related to codependency. They'll be listening thinking, yeah, I just don't like saying no or I'm scared of what would happen if I said no or I guess you're motivated by the approval of other people. You want them to say yes. You want them to like you. You want to fit in. Do you see that as being part of this as well, like being motivated by, I guess, approval of others and their opinions? Of course, Louise. And you and I have touched on this before. There is nothing better than being appreciated. There is no greater feeling than knowing that other people value you and that you belong somewhere, that you are connected to people. And so, like I said, as children, we have two biological responses when it comes to parenting. So one is to be connected to our parents for survival. So food, water, shelter, that thing. The second is for a secure attachment for love. So if we learn to do that, and we also live in an environment where our voice is silenced, a lot of us are encouraged to be independent as children, but only to a certain extent. We want you to be independent in your career, in your studies, but in the home, we may not have a voice. And saying no and being able to advocate for ourselves and have autonomy in the home a lot of us were silenced. So growing up, being able to say, hey, I don't like that, or that doesn't feel good for me. I see that everywhere with people. And it extends in into all sort of parts of life. Because if you are not able to say no to your parents or unable to say no to a partner, it's going to be the same wherever you go. I'm so happy you said that because that was actually one of my questions today is, do you think that this is a trait that shows up across all aspects of life? And the reason that I asked that question is, I have a friend and she was having issues with the person she was dating, wasn't able to speak her truth and was, I guess, a little bit scared of what would happen when she did that. And then we worked together and I actually saw the same thing happening in the workplace. And that was when I personally, having gone to therapy, connected the dots like, oh, this is a pattern. This is a cycle. So do you think it's fair to say that if you're maybe scared to say no 
in the workplace or to talk, you know, not talk back to your boss, but isn't it interesting that I want to say talk back to your boss? Having an opinion, calmly, confidently sharing how you feel shouldn't be considered to be defiance. But in today's world, sometimes it is. I think the workplace is an interesting one because historically speaking, we didn't have a role in the workplace. Our role was in the home and everything has changed now. So we we often step into this imposter role, this imposter syndrome. Men find it so easy to set boundaries with one another. They have a very pragmatic approach to work and business, but we are still trying to find our place in the workplace where we don't upset people, where we are not seen as too emotional or that things are too big for us. So What usually happens is that the things that I see in practice are a lot of women who have had quite controlling parents, controlling mothers, for example, they will subconsciously attract that controlling behavior in the workplace. And again, it's subconscious. You don't know you're doing it. But some people, they feel so familiar and comfortable with that control, being told what to do, having to work extra hours. It doesn't register as a threat in the body because they're used to being constantly told who to be how to be and then it's only when they hit burnout then they want to start setting boundaries and they realize the relationship they have with those people doesn't function whilst they have boundaries i'm so happy we're going here and i wasn't even going to tell this story today but i feel like it would be wrong for me to not share this story which i know you know about because i when it happened i called stephanie i was like what do i do like was i in the right here and then we did an episode on it and then we did an episode (laughs) on it but I went through a situation in a workplace with, I guess you would call it more of a toxic client. I was a freelancer. I wasn't being paid on time. And every single month had to chase for my invoices to be paid. And as someone that's run a business previously, I didn't understand how someone who owns such a big business didn't just have a payment run every month, set payments, you know, not paying through friends and family for this on PayPal for this huge business. So I sent an email being like, I would really appreciate if we could agree a fixed payment run. I'm a freelancer and I rely on these payments coming in. I actually got told that I was angry and hostile for sending this email. And I remember I called you and I was like, this is really difficult because we're told to share our truth and our voice. But then sometimes people don't like us setting those boundaries. And I know I've heard you say before that people don't like boundaries, but you're not setting them for them. You're setting them for you. What's your thoughts on that? Going back to your situation, if I was to dissect that whole situation, you would have to look at the people that came before you or the the people that she was previously used to working with. To be the first person to speak up is often going to come across as confrontational, aggressive, and we don't want to be any of these things. The messaging that we receive growing up as children is so different across the board culturally. So any woman that is encouraged throughout her childhood or throughout her teenage years to use her voice, to be super strong, she also has to align with people who have the same values and belief system because for me personally, I love friendships where people set boundaries with me. Tell me you're tired. Tell me you're cancelling on me. Tell me you don't want to see me. Tell me you've had a bad week because there's going to be a time when I feel that way. And if we don't align with people that also have those boundaries, we're going to feel guilty because this person maybe doesn't ever cancel on us or this person maybe does way too much for us than they should. So I love people who set boundaries with me. I've shared with you before, Louise, my daughter does it all the time. She says, no, I don't want to do that. That doesn't feel comfortable. That's not how I do things. And my narrative in my head is from my own childhood of, but you're a child. I've been here longer than you. I'm more experienced than you. So we're always going to have people in our lives who believe they're more qualified, believe they're more experienced, and that want to say to us, no, you're doing it wrong, because it's ego-based. If you can hold your ground, that's hard to do. But if I question her on that, and then when she's older, she's in situations where someone similar to you, Louise, questions her work ethic, questions her role in the workplace, or even questions something about her body. And then I tell her to be amazing, be confident, stand up for yourself. Well, I wasn't allowed to do that with you. So we have to make sure from a young age, we are encouraging these young girls, these young boys, just to go out there and use their voice and say, I don't like that. That doesn't feel good for me. And we're all so different in our approach to that. I love how we're talking about this. It's almost like unapologetically celebrating our voice. And I think what you said earlier about people pleasing is ultimately a form of self-abandonment. I think for everyone listening, I'm sure we can all think about moments when we went to dinner and we were just so tired. We had such a stressful day at work. Maybe you were crying in the toilets. Maybe 
something went wrong at work. And all you want to do is just go home, get into bed, watch a movie, maybe have some carbohydrates, talking for myself here. But you feel an obligation to someone else. You feel an obligation to not let them down. You feel an obligation that they might be annoyed at you. They might be angry at you. They might think less of you. The other girls or guys might talk about you at dinner if you're not there. And I think those are really difficult things to navigate. But once you do step into understanding that you have to be your own priority, to truly celebrate yourself, you have to ask yourself, how do I feel? And then the second part of it, like you said, is how do the people around you take that? Do a little audit. Which of my friends understand when I need to cancel? How does my boss feel when I need to go to the doctors during that important meeting? Are there any initial steps that people can take to work out who's maybe stopping them being able to celebrate themselves and use their voice? Well, the first step, I guess, is to be curious. It's something that is completely wiped out when we're children. So we ask a lot of questions because we're learning so much about the world. We come out of this theta brainwave where we're just downloading information and we start to challenge. We're getting to like the age of nine or 10 and we start saying, oh, they do things differently. Their family operates differently to me. Their mum looks different to my mum. So that's when we start to ask a lot of questions. And for many of us, we had busy parents and stressful lives growing up. A lot of us were told, go away in a minute and we stop getting curious. So if you can get curious about people and learn about them before your relationship even gets to a certain level, and that's in dating, friendships, the workspace, there is nothing wrong with that curiosity. If you are starting a new job, say, hey, is this how you like to do things? This is how we did things previously. I like to prioritize my weekends, so I will not be looking at my emails on Sunday evenings. Being able to understand other people rather than trying to connect with them based on what we can give. If we can understand how they operate, I've worked with so many women and they will say, he doesn't text me back or she doesn't text me back. And this happens and that happens. And then I will ask them, okay, so what happens when you say to them, hey, I'm going to go to sleep now? I can tell you, Louise, 99% of my clients will say, well, I never say that first. Why? You will exhaust yourself till that person says, I've got work in the morning, I'm, go I'm going to sleep. And so I say, try it. Just say 10 p.m., hey, I've got an early start tomorrow, I'm going to sleep. That's a small, small boundary. We have our emotional boundaries, which protect us mentally, and we have our physical boundaries that keep our physical space. So physically, maybe you don't like to have people in your personal space. Maybe you don't like physical touch. Maybe you don't like people to touch your things, your belongings. Maybe you don't like people to be in the kitchen with you when you're cooking. Look at those physical boundaries. Maybe you're very conscious with your body and you don't like people to be too close to you or watch you get undressed. Your emotional boundaries are the things like, I don't like people to use silence on me. If you're going to go quiet, please let me know why. So having that clear understanding of yourself and others, get curious about what makes other people feel good and bad so that those relationships are authentic. I love this concept of like baby boundaries because I think that if you are just starting on this journey, it can be very, very scary to, you know, listen to this podcast and be like, yes, I want to celebrate myself. I deserve to celebrate myself. I'm going to use my voice. It doesn't work like that, okay? It takes people like baby steps and I've been there as well. I used to be that girl that would stay up until 2 a.m. texting some guy because I was like, oh my God, this is so fun and there's like a tension here and maybe this is my soulmate. I would never be the one to end the conversation. But now as a healthier person, my sleep is like the most important thing for me ever. So I love this idea of baby boundaries and asking where can you start to set a baby boundary? And for example, even today, we're getting ready for this amazing day shooting with this amazing brand. And I showed the hairstylist what I would like my hair to look like. Don't know if it was because it was like six in the morning or what happened, but we started doing the wrong hairstyle, but I didn't check it until maybe halfway through. And I, in that moment, had the opportunity to say, oh my goodness, in my head, oh my goodness, this is not what I want. And this does not look like how I was hoping. And I think that many of us would just, oh yeah, it looks great. Thank you so much. But having stepped forward on this journey, I knew that I was allowed to use my voice. And I knew it was important that I used my voice because if I felt great today, then everything was going to go great today. And so in those tiny moments where we want someone to set a baby boundary, where do you think they should start? Is it like tuning in with how they feel? Is it tuning in with what they're scared of? Is there like a actionable tip or trick to start with? 
If we were to compare it, Louise, to what you've just described there with that situation, I think recognising the fear behind setting the boundary, remembering where does that come from, because at some point you set a boundary or you said no and it was challenged or you were punished for it. Mm -hmm. So remembering that that response is within your nervous system naturally. So when you told your hairstylist, I don't like this, can I do something else? What we felt to recognize is her work is very important to her. She's a, a creative. She wanted you to look good. She wanted you to feel good. That was her mission. So if you had left there feeling bad, if you had come into this room feeling bad, it's a knock-on effect. Mm -hmm. When you said to her, please, can you change it? You then allowed her to feel confident in her work. She then provided you with the service that she wanted to give to you. So it's recognizing that you're not just having a personal experience, you're having an interpersonal experience. If we are too focused on how we are feeling and we don't step outside of ourselves sometimes, we're going to really, you know, internalize all of that fear and I'm going to make her feel bad. You made her feel good because when you told her what you wanted, she was then able to provide that for you. Now she knows that you look good. And when this podcast airs and when these videos come out, she's going to be able to say, that's my work, mm. rather than you sitting oh, I got uncomfortable. <laughs> so what we do is we actually provide people with the ability to have really strong, authentic relationships. And one thing that I will touch on is that it's so hard to set boundaries within your family environment. So I don't want anybody listening to think that because they can't set boundaries with, with parents or siblings, that they're doing something wrong because they are the hardest relationships to because we have spent a lifetime with these people and people tend to stay attached or connected to the versions of us that they hold the most control over. So we have manipulative behaviours and I always say this about my younger sister, she knows how to get me to do anything. And there are certain boundaries I will set with my relationship, with my daughter, with, with other people. But my sister, for some reason, it's always been really tough. So there will be people in your life that you struggle with. But if you are going into new relationships, especially in, in work environments, being able to say, how can my boundary allow that other person to have a good experience? How can I stay connected? This connection will not be lost if I set this boundary because now your hairstylist feels confident that you look good. You haven't lost a connection. You haven't lost anything there. I love what I'm taking from you there is that not only do you get to start to sort of celebrate your voice and feel good, but actually if you're surrounded by people that appreciate your boundaries, then they will start to feel good as well. And that it's almost that knock-on effect, which is something that I've never, ever thought of before. So I'm really grateful for you sharing that. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I think just whilst we're talking about the point on families, is this like a learned coping mechanism our biological response is to connect with people so when we learn that hold on my mom's really struggling with keeping the house clean and you clean your bedroom and she gives you a cuddle and she says oh you're so grown up and I love you and you're so oh she's such a good girl or he's such a good boy mm -hmm. there we go so we connect there our sense of self to their behaviors because we don't have a sense of self at this point so the first nine years of life eight nine years of life we are building a sense of self we're building a core belief system now if every time you abandon yourself and you meet someone else's needs you are rewarded with love connection it would be natural that that would be a personality trait that that would then become a response now when we are in really dire circumstances really hard environments where there are physical, emotional threats or we're dealing with parents with addiction or just really awful sort of situations that, that children can't handle. You're a child, you can't fight your parents, you can't fight the threat. You also can't go into flight mode because you can't run, you don't have funds, you don't have the resources to leave. So you're left with two responses. You can either shut down and dissociate and freeze 
and switch off, which also means a disconnect from the self and disconnect from what you need and what your inner voice is. Or you can go into the fawn response and you can start to go, I can make a difference here. I can make people happy. I can be easygoing. I can be easy to love. And naturally, the quieter we become, the less boundaries we have, the less needs we have, the more lovable we become because those people get to fulfill their lives without giving us too much. And so, yeah, we, we convince ourselves that we're hard to love. Oh, I have so much to say here. It just reminds me of something that I saw on TikTok and it was basically a guy saying, yeah, I don't want a girl that's dramatic. And having now done all of this therapy, I was able to read that and see the truth of it, which was that dramatic in this person's eyes was someone expressing emotions, someone feeling, someone experiencing. And that's ultimately what we are here to do. The more that we feel, we can experience the highs and lows of life and joy and love and, yes, disappointment and heartbreak too. When we feel, we really can experience some of the best moments in life, also some of the most painful. But when he said he didn't want someone that was dramatic, I was like, wow, he wants someone that doesn't share their experiences, that doesn't share their truth. And what does that mean? It means they suppress it, they keep it quiet. And that's so interesting because that's basically what you're saying is we learn that we're more lovable if we're easier to love. So I think that's really profound. And I want to talk about some statements that people might relate to, but I'd love it as a psychotherapist if you could just run me through just briefly what's maybe going on with each of the statements. So the first one is, they're more important than me. My needs are less important. So if that was to be in a family environment, it could be that you grew up in a huge family where your voice was never heard, unless you were loud, unless you were emotional, unless you were dramatic or you had big feelings, you're unlikely to get those needs met. Maybe you were competing all the time for attention. So someone who has been in that environment, naturally they're going to have to start learning how to articulate their needs and recognizing what it feels like in the body. And that could be as simple as downloading the feelings wheel, and instead of just looking at your primary emotions, you start to look at the underlying secondary emotions. So instead of saying, I'm tired, I'm stressed, I'm angry, you can look into, I'm frustrated, I'm confused, I'm overwhelmed. Mm. Start using these statements. And again, being able to own those instead of um, depersonalizing yourself from them and saying things like, oh, it's so stressful, isn't it, when we have to go to work so early? Oh, it's so no, make it about you. I'm stressed. I don't like this. I've worked too much this week. So you can start labeling them because a lot of us did have parents whose emotions were bigger than ours. So they would cry, they'd get upset, they'd argue, they'd fight. And we'd think, that was terrifying. Are my parents going to separate? Are my parents going to leave me? Am I going to be abandoned? So uh, for a lot of people, emotions were huge. So just to say something as small as, I'm really angry, I'm really upset. Sometimes that registers as unsafe in the body because we have seen unsafe expressions of that. So just labeling your emotions and sharing that with friends and saying, you know, asking, hey, do you have some time to listen to me? I'm just going to vent for five minutes and just say how I'm feeling and then just ramble a bit and then say, now let's get to you. I love the feelings wheel. Every time we talk about it, people are like, that feelings wheel literally changed my life. I have one on a pillow, actually. Really? Yeah, just in the house. So okay, we amazing. And I always, yeah, I tell my clients, if they don't know how to communicate amongst the family with their children and things, just print one off on the fridge. And then if your children or your partner, you know, they don't know how to say how they're feeling, just mark it, circle it on the fridge. That's how I'm feeling today. And let your family know. I love that because I think the next stage, once you've identified how you're feeling, is what do I need? And I think that ties into the second statement, which is it's selfish to prioritize myself. And that's a statement that someone who maybe might exhibit some of these people-pleasing tendencies might relate to. And I think as you start to heal and flourish, when you start to celebrate yourself, you realize that you are the ultimate priority in your life. When you are happy and healthy, you can light up everyone around you. So let's talk about this core belief of maybe someone who has people-pleasing tendencies that it's selfish to prioritize myself. So for a lot of people, we are celebrated when we overwork, when we, I've had no sleep, I've worked so much. We do live in a really fast-paced society where it's kind of championed when we sacrifice and we were raised by a lot of sacrificing parents. So what I love about the generation now, Louise, is this thing that I hear all the time, like, TikTok's so bad, social media's so bad for children. But I love that this generation are standing up for what they believe in. 
they do advocate, they do say how they feel, they are challenging their parents. And that's why if those children or teenagers or young people, if you know that you cannot go back to a place in your life, family, your support system, and have a voice, you can still find that outside of, of those people. You can still align yourself with healthy rituals. You can find things that feel good physically and emotionally. So it could be a skincare routine. It could be an, a bedtime routine. It's creating systems that you may never have seen before. And again, I know with Sol de Janeiro, it's all about celebrating the body. It's all about feeling comfortable with who you are, not just on the outside, on the inside. A lot of us grew up with people who had lack mindsets. So when I see my daughter and I'm working, she's like, are you going to be on your phone much longer? Or she's doing her skincare routine. And I'm thinking, I want to say to her, why do you have a skincare routine at 12? But <laughs> no, she's like, why do you not have one at 37? So she's looking at me like, you've had your makeup on all day. And she's like, I mean, she loves the Boom Boom Cream. She's the one that was like Sol de Janeiro. So our house is very colorful. Even before this podcast, like I said, I'm a very cool mom right now. <laughs> but she has all of her systems in place. And when I tell you, Louise, these children do not budge. And if we can learn something from these younger people, I think it's the older generation who pride themselves on being self-sacrificial. Look what I gave up for you. And our moms used to do it. I've stood and cooked all day and, and no one loves me or cares about me. And we do that. We carry that on. So if you can find something in your day that you can align with or a lifestyle choice that just changes how you feel about yourself physically and emotionally, it's huge for your self-esteem. I couldn't agree more. I love this concept of like rituals. And I think that one of the problems in today's society is there's so much information. Huberman Lab saying, you got to do this. And then this podcast saying, you got to do this. And then this brand saying, you've got to do this. And actually, I love to just start small. And I always talk about micro moments and that in every micro moment, you can make a decision. And so if anyone's listening to this thinking, yes, I relate to that statement that it's selfish to prioritize myself. It's very hard to just switch that round and rebuild your whole life to, to make you the priority, particularly if you're a parent or you have kids. Like, I can hardly even prioritize myself in my life. I look at mums around me and I'm like, you are all superwomen. But for those people listening, I always love the thought of just creating a morning and an evening ritual. And it can be two minutes. Like for me, in the morning, a cold shower is like the thing that I start every single day with. And it's horrible in the moment, but I feel incredible when I get out. And then in the evening, I love to have a bath and get out and use some of the Sol de Janeiro products, for example, and just have a two-minute ritual where I connect with my body and I say, thank you. Thank you for getting me through another day. And I actually talk to it. I'm like, I'm sorry that I was really stressed today, or maybe I didn't feed you lunch until 4 p.m. But I think having that compassionate voice with yourself and having small rituals are a really great place to start. What are your thoughts on that compassionate voice? Because it's sometimes really hard to have if you never grew up with it. Yeah, it's breaking that narrative, isn't it? It's being able to say, what did I hear growing up? Who was around me? What was the voice? What was that inner sort of dialogue? And I always think, Louise, how you care for one thing is how you care for everything. And it starts, like you say, in the day. But most people have this all or nothing mentality. So because I've eaten badly in the day, it means that I should now neglect myself even further. So if you can remember that just because you've had a bad morning, it doesn't mean that the rest of the day has to go that way. And it's checking in again with that narrative. So what is the voice inside your head? And always ask yourself as well, Louise, this is a huge question that I ask my clients. It's when your mom or when your father, when your parents or your main caregiver for those that have lost their parents, when they withdrew from you when they were shut down, stressed, had mental health problems, addictions, or when they were just busy, what was the first thing to go? So for my parent relationship, it was cooking. So if my mom was busy, she wouldn't cook, which is interesting because now when I neglect myself, I eat a lot of junk food. So maybe it was time, maybe they stopped spending time with you. So then you realize that you're not giving yourself any quality time. Maybe it was silence. They didn't have communication with you or conversations. They ignored you or avoided you around the house. And then you find that you isolate yourself when you're feeling low. If you can break through that barrier, you're starting to isolate a phone call at night, a FaceTime to connect with people. Again, if you know that you, you didn't see many rituals growing up or anyone giving you quality time, cuddles, things like that products and brands and things that are telling you here look we can help you love yourself tap into that go and spend some time with your body go and spend a bit of extra time just looking after yourself and, and creating a ritual and you don't steer away from that when I became a therapist I had to say to my friends 
you can no longer call me and vent to me every day. We, we can't do that because I've got to preserve some energy for my clients. And some people didn't like it. They fell off. Some people connected and loved it. So sometimes prioritizing these things about yourself, they then align with the boundaries we just spoke about. So if you can say to your friends, hey, I've had a really busy day, so I can't really have conversations at night, but I'd love to have a FaceTime on the way to work in the morning or on a weekend. That's already a ritual for you. So guess what happens at nighttime? You now have space to go and get a, a hot shower, a cold shower, get in bed early, whatever it might be to prioritize yourself in that day. I love that. I think it's really important. And what I want to touch upon is what you just said about people falling away. I think there's this belief in life that everyone has to stay, okay, mm -hmm. particularly in friendships. But if you look at our relationships, you look at our love lives, I'm not the only one that's had a good number of boyfriends throughout my life. And I outgrew them. I fell out of love with them. Some of them ended awfully. Some of them ended okay. And there's a sort of natural turnover. You obviously can't, to the same extent, do that with your family. But in friendships, I think that sometimes we feel like we have to stay close to the people around us and we have to stay small to keep them happy. I want to talk about how natural and powerful it can be to look around you and say, I really loved you for so many years. We had so many good times together. But now I actually feel like I'm moving in a different direction. Maybe that's that you don't drink and they're big party animals. Maybe it's that you're more interested in health and fitness and they're not. Or maybe it's just that you're realizing you're not able to use your voice and celebrate yourself with the people that are around you. As a therapist, what are your thoughts on that natural changing in dynamic and structure of people around you? When we speak about friendships and, and relationships and dating and all of that, we have to still acknowledge social systems. So again, we used to live in communities. We used to connect with people because our families lived close by. We lived in areas where everyone knew each other. It was like raising a village, but we don't do that anymore. We have the technology, the resources to just move to another country, to move out of our social circles, to find something outside of ourselves that we connect to. And a lot of us are doing that. A lot of us went to different cities for further education. A lot of people have moved for love, whatever it might be. So most of our friendships were built on who our parents were friends with. So our, our parents, friends, children, or people that we went to school with. But those relationships were dependent on a different version of you. So I remember having hundreds of friends at university, but I also had no boundaries. And I would gossip and I would talk bad about someone and, and I, I wouldn't have self-boundaries. So rather than say, I don't like being around this person, I didn't know that because I didn't know how to tap into that. And as you get older and you start to listen to that inner voice and build on your intuition, you get these bad vibes. What you're finding is a lot of your relationships that you are starting out in, you are able to develop a healthy relationship. So my recent friendships and relationships and business relationships, even you and I, Louise, I know you can say to me, I don't want to do that. That doesn't feel good for me. And it's fine because we both have boundaries. But doing that with someone that I've grown up with, doing that with someone who's always benefited from me is so, so hard because now they're losing a version of me that they essentially were able to control, manipulate, stay connected to, and it's not intentional, it's subconscious. So recognizing the basis of your friendships and where you've grown together and being able to say, I love you and I've loved being a part of your journey, but I'm going somewhere different, that isn't encouraged enough. And there is nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with taking a different direction. We have this image of finality within society, like got to get married, got to have a child. And then even when you have those things, we get divorced, we move on, we, we find someone else it should be the same in our friendships and our work life there's nothing wrong with change I think you're so right about this change in dynamics actually being a healthy thing because we grow and change as people and the people around us should also grow and change and our voice might start to change over time as well we become really passionate about some things or less interested in some things and I know that that's a journey that I've gone on and I now have a very small group of friends and I really trust that they understand when I need to use my voice and when I need to set a boundary, they're okay with that. And I did that on Tuesday. I'm back in London. My schedule is literally crazy. And she said to me, I'm not sure I can see you on Tuesday. I'm having childcare issues. But then an hour later, she was like, don't worry, I've sorted it. I've sorted the childcare. And I actually replied saying, I love you so much, but I really need to take that morning. I have a really big week this week. I really need to just take some time to ground into myself. And again, I was like, yes, 
I'm so proud of myself. Like, I did it. And it doesn't even have to be a big, scary thing. So let's just talk for a minute about how it's going to be scary for people to set these baby boundaries. But over time, it will turn into empowerment and ultimately exhilaration. Like, I set a boundary and I'm like, yeah, yeah, you just did. Like, well done, Louise. (laughs) Don't forget, Louise, we've lived with ourselves for a very long time. and, and, And there are parts of ourselves that we might hide away or things that we believe other people might not accept. Someone who is super shy and sensitive might walk into a room and see someone really loud and sort of brash. And when you haven't developed a healthy relationship with yourself or celebrated yourself, that can be a bit overwhelming or you might be triggered. But when you start to have a really good relationship with yourself, you start to celebrate yourself, you go into that room and you love watching that woman in her element. You love watching, even if it's listening to music and and movies, you love seeing people advocate for themselves. And that quality or trait that you believed was a negative, you then start to see it in other people and you do start to celebrate it. You start to go there's nothing wrong with being loud or there's nothing wrong with being confident. And and when we start to do that, it's, it's normal that we get to set those boundaries around it and say, this is who I want to be. And I'd love to see that in other people. And it is scary. For everyone listening, I want you to know it is scary. The way that I started to specifically set boundaries is I would just say to someone, hey, I was wondering if we could just talk for a minute. This happened recently and it made me feel this way. I was just wondering if we could talk about that. I'm sure you had your own experience. So going at something without being accusatory, it's not, you did this and you made me feel like this. Why did you do that? It's, I felt like this and I'm just wondering how it felt for you. As a therapist, I just want to ask your thoughts on how to start having those slightly uncomfortable conversations because some people listening might not have the words. I'm glad that you touched on that part because you said, you did this and I felt this way. So that would imply, Louise, that you came in with the boundary after it happened. So you've took some time to reflect and then you've wanted to go and set that boundary with the person afterwards. So in an ideal world, we'd already have that boundary Mm. set up. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. This is what I don't want to be around. But we're not always going to get it right. We're not always going to be able to speak up in the moment. Sometimes shame kicks in. So being able to say afterwards, hey, can we reflect on this together? Whenever you set a boundary with someone, that is because you are trying to continue the relationship, not destroy the relationship. Anyone that wants to destroy a relationship is going to ghost, shut down, withdraw and pull away from the relationship. So if you find someone coming to you saying, hey, I don't like that you did this, just know that they're doing that because they want the relationship to improve. So that's the key thing to remember there. I would always go in with a boundary. The first step we want to offer is grace. So being graceful is by offering love, a compliment, support to someone. So say, for example, Louise, you have a friend who has children and you don't have children. But for some reason, because they have children, it always seems to be a time problem with them. And they have this vision or image of you that you have so much time because you don't have children. And you are trying to set the boundary with them. So you might say... I love how, you know, nurturing you are and I love the relationship you have with your children. I just think you're an incredible mum. But I have lost my friend a little bit and I would love it if we could just set aside a day once a month where it's just you and I, no kids, and we have that childcare in place. And if there's anything I can do to help with that, let me know. So that boundary would be amazing. So you're letting her know, I value your motherhood. I value who you are. Again, say, for example, it's something a little bit more difficult. Say someone always asks to borrow money. And you see them out, enjoying themselves, getting their nails done. And you're like, oh, you owe me money. Being able to say, I love that you trust me enough to come to me when you're in need. And I know that you're going through a tough time at the minute. But every time you ask me for money, it sort of chips away our relationship a little bit. Whenever my phone rings, I kind of think that you're expecting something from me. And I don't want to feel that way when I answer the phone. I want to welcome your phone calls. So if we can maybe keep that off the table and have our old friendship back where we don't rely on each other financially. I would love that. So you're offering grace. You're letting them know, I see that you need some support. I I see that you are um, struggling, but I can't be your source of complete support. I think this is so helpful to help people understand that boundaries don't have to be scary. They don't have to be aggressive. They don't have to be hostile. All the things that either I experience in the story I told you earlier, or that we all experience in life, things can be soft and kind. Like I said, those boundaries, they allow relationships to get better. I've never had anyone set a boundary with me and it's made me go, you awful, terrible person, don't ever set that boundary with me again. I'm like, good for you. 
But that is because you are healthy. And actually, you just tied into my next question perfectly, which is that we see it a lot in the house, our community area, where people ask questions and they say that they have people in their lives that don't take boundaries well and they make them feel awful for setting boundaries. What are your thoughts on that? You know, because that's ultimately people pleasing. You set a boundary and then loads of people will be like, oh, they didn't like it. Oh, no, don't worry, don't worry. And then you renege on the boundary and you just continue with the original dynamic. Let's talk about sticking with the boundaries, sticking with your truth. You have to remember that there is an emotion that's going to come up for you that you have been avoiding your whole life. You have Mic to drop. So yeah, yeah you, <laughs> you have to remember that the discomfort that you're feeling on the other side of that boundary is what you're avoiding. It's not the person, it's not the conversation, it's the feeling. So setting a boundary with your mum and you know that it's going to upset her, you don't want to feel like a bad child you don't want to feel like you're upsetting someone the boundary that you set with a work colleague you don't want to feel like you've got no connection in the workplace or you don't want to feel like you're not valued in the workspace so recognizing the emotion behind that the uncomfortability what is it that I'm avoiding what am I scared to feel because if I'm scared to feel that of course I'm not going to be able to feel to set boundaries so being able to say I know it's going to be uncomfortable after this if you say to someone listen, there is something that I wanted to share with you and I, and I wanted to set this boundary with you, but actually I'm scared that you're going to withdraw from me or use silence against me because historically speaking, that's what you tend to do to me. And then that person does that, that was more proof that that boundary was needed. So if they pull away and withdraw, you knew they were going to do that, sit with that, sit with the silence, the loneliness and say, do you know what, this feeling that's coming up, it's been here before. This isn't about this person. This is about me. This is about my relationship with myself. And if I don't start celebrating my not just the positive feelings that we have but also those horrible negative uncomfortable feelings if we don't celebrate all of ourselves all of that uncomfortable sort of exchange that we have with people you're not having a human experience you're not supposed to be happy all the time you're not supposed to always feel connected so accepting I'm going to set this boundary and I'm going to feel crap so what can I do when I get home or who can I be around that will value me you know or oh that's so interesting and also I think if you take it one step further I guess one of the tips and tricks on this journey is whose opinion do you actually care about? Because I could imagine that if you're a people pleaser, you just care about everyone's opinion in every single sector of your life. And the smaller that my group of friends have got, it's been so much easier to know that, yeah, you really are the important people to me. And so I will have these discussions. And maybe that only means that there's six to eight people in my life that I might have to be having these conversations with. If you're listening to this episode thinking, but I've got so many friends, I can't set all these boundaries with all of them. Mm. I think that's probably an interesting thing as well. And as my social media has grown as well, I'm having to get okay with not being liked online, not being agreed with online. You experience exactly the same thing. Every day. Every day. And therapy just brings it back to time and time again, whose opinions do you actually care about? Do you think that's an important question for people to be asking themselves? Absolutely, because we're all triggered by the ego. Don't forget the ego was created to protect us from those uncomfortable exchanges. And it's done a really great job so far, because if I was able to create connection by having personality traits that other people enjoyed and liked, then if I start to remove those benefits to me, what am I left with? And like you said, you can't set a whole load of boundaries with everyone. But what you can do, Louise, is you can say to your friends, how do we get to know each other better? Mm. It's vulnerability. It's being more vulnerable. It's saying, is there anything that you need from me that I'm not giving? Or should we have a check-in in our relationship? And knowing things, knowing, for example, that your your one of your friends hates texting, but they're great on a phone call and saying, listen, I haven't checked in with you because I know you don't tend to reply, but do you want to have a phone call this week and see how we're both getting on? Or if you know that someone has really poor time management, letting them know, listen, let's do something that's not time restrictive or like like a restaurant or booking something that's going to cause us to have to be there on time. So it's learning about people. Stop focusing on what I can give. What can we put in the middle? What can we all share here collectively rather than who can I be? And because the connection's already there. If you already have those connections, you shouldn't have to constantly work and perform for that love. Oh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And healthy love around you will allow you to set healthy boundaries. So I think sometimes in life, we just have to stop and reflect on who's really around me and how do they really make me feel and who do they really let me be. So I think as we come to wrap up today's episode, we've gone on this really amazing journey of 
understanding what people pleasing is, but also really delving into like the strategies around how to start to combat it. And I think let's just wrap them up. So initially we have reviewing the people around you and asking who do I really care about and how do they make me feel? And then when there comes a point of discomfort and that's a trigger within the body, asking yourself, what's the feeling here? Coming back to the feeling wheel that we spoke about, but taking it deeper because a lot of people just say I'm angry or I'm scared. What is the fear that's behind the feeling? So ask yourself, what am I scared of? What am I fearful of happening if I do something or if I don't do something? And I think that involves that communicating with your emotions point. And at that point, you're probably going to be feeling some discomfort in your body. That's when the baby boundaries come in. We spoke about setting a very gentle baby boundary. And I think embracing the fear, embracing the discomfort and embracing the vulnerability and challenging that guilt and fear, knowing, even if it's just from this episode today, knowing that on the other side of that baby boundary is a step closer to the real you, to using your voice and liking your voice and celebrating your voice and then judging how the other person reacts. Ultimately, healthy people will accept healthy boundaries. That journey that you've taken us on there, I think is incredible step-by-step guidance as to understanding people-pleasing and starting to set a boundary. As we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to add to that process? Just know that those boundaries create more connection. That vulnerability creates more connection. That connection to self, like we said, if you are taking time to connect with your body, if you are aligning yourself with things that feel good for you, and again, going back to Sol de I need time for my self-care. I know we see self-care everywhere. Self-love, self-care. We don't really know what it looks like. If we have rituals, if we can get a better night's sleep, if we can invest more in ourselves, then that means that that time that we're taking up, we will be so happy to see other people do that as well. So your relationships, it will just create more connection for you. Just know that your boundaries and this releasing of connecting and creating codependency, you're going to have so much more love in your life. I think that's the perfect place to end today's episode is just remember why you are doing this. And I know that for me personally, I spent a lifetime of trying to fit in, trying to be smaller, trying to be quieter, trying to be less emotional, trying to be less sensitive, all just so I could fit into that mold of in the friendship group, in the workplace. And actually, when I started this therapy journey, everything else started to change around me. It was literally like a domino effect. Like, I started to have not only a better relationship with myself because I started to ask myself, how do you really feel? But I also started with those communication tips and tricks and I started to communicate outwards. And when I did that, it started to lead to better friendships, healthier relationships, a better sex life. You know, everything comes back to communication and everything comes back to how do I feel in this moment and how can I share that outwards? So If you're listening and you're thinking, this is scary, I want you to know you're not alone. It can be scary, but on the other side of that fear is the real you. And to be able to step out into the world and be able to use your voice, share your truth, even if it's just with one or two people to begin with, I guarantee you that it will revolutionize the rest of your life. So thank you so much to everyone listening. So excited to be here with Sol de Janeiro launching the new Delicia Drench Body Butter. Head over to the show notes to check out the product. And just thank you for listening, for investing in you and joining us today in this incredibly beautiful studio. I'll see you next time. Hold up. 